Well, let's jump into our, uh, our series this morning, Beginnings. We're working our way through the book of Genesis. Today, from slave to deputy Pharaoh. Uh, we'll be looking in Genesis chapter 37 through 45. I'm not going to read every single verse of that, but we'll be in those chapters. Last week, we ended uh, the story, with the story of Joseph with the last words of Genesis chapter 37, the last verse, verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Last week, we saw uh, how Joseph's ten brothers held, uh, had developed such a hatred for their kid brother because of his, arrog his arrogance and their father's unapologetic favoritism of Joseph that uh, his, his older brother sold him as a slave to a caravan of Midianites. And then those Midianites then sold Joseph to Pharaoh's captain of the guard, Potiphar. Isn't it amazing uh, how fast your life can change like that? You know, literally overnight, Joseph went from favored and pampered son to Egyptian slave, just like that. You know, life often does not turn out like we planned for or we hoped for. I remember when I was in high school, I was attending a social gathering on one occasion, and uh, as I mingled among the different people who were at this gathering, uh, I remember this one guy who I didn't really know, but who, who knew me. He asked me, Mark, are you going to be a preacher like your dad? And I very defiantly said, no way. I am definitely not, not going to be a preacher. And I remember everybody laughed with me, you know, uh, about that announcement. Well, about 11 years later, uh, after that declaration, I became the minister here at Stony Brook Christian Church. Uh, and I have been your minister for over 31 years here. Uh, you know, and if you had told me back in 1978 that, that I would end up in Wilson, North Carolina as the minister of Stony Brook Christian Church, I would have told you that you were crazy, and I would have said, and where in the world is Wilson anyway? <laughs> you never know where God is going to lead you and where he's going to take you. You know, we're, we're taking a brief trip through the first book of of the Bible, Genesis, and considering the many beginnings that we read about in that great book, the, be the beginning of creation, the beginning of sin, or the fall, uh, of, of sin and, and the fall of mankind, the redo beginning <clears throat> with Noah and the flood. Uh, we've seen the beginning of God's plan to redeem mankind from sin as God began a new nation uh, through which Jesus would eventually come. The nation of Israel began with one man, Abraham, uh, and grew to the point where we left it last week with Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and his 11 sons. He, he only had 11 at that time, um, ending with ten, the 10 older sons selling the younger one as a slave. The older brothers then go home and they make Jacob believe that Joseph uh, his favorite son, was killed and devoured by some ferocious animal. And all he had left, all Jacob had left, was Joseph's bloody, ornate 
robe that he had given him. As we left it last week, the brothers had to live with what they had done for the rest of their, li- <clears throat> for the rest of their lives. Uh, but as I said last week, at least no one but God and them would ever know. <laughs> or would they? Or would they? Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Joseph is sold uh, to an Egyptian named Potiphar to be his slave. And and while this this may seem like a horrible situation, and it was, uh, Joseph soon realized that while he was very, very far from home, he was not alone. Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. You know, God had a plan. And, and in while, while it would be a little while before Joseph would understand that God had a plan, uh, God meant for Joseph to be exactly where he was. And so God blessed Joseph even though he was a slave in Egypt. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owed, owned. Um, God was with Joseph and Potiphar, his master, saw that. And now Potiphar was a polytheist uh, you know, we, he didn't turn into a, a, a worshiper, exclusive worshiper of the one true God. He was a polytheist. Uh, like all good Egyptians, he believed in many gods. But he believed that Joseph's God was intentionally blessing Joseph. And, and it was evidenced by all the success that Joseph had in whatever he did. Uh, you can't argue with success. So Potiphar uh, wanted to get in on that. <laughs> Uh, So he put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted Joseph with everything that he owned. If you got to be a slave, and nobody wants to be a slave, and that's a horrible thing, place to be, but if you got to be a slave, you got to admit that having this job would be much better than being out in the mud making bricks in the hot sun. Potiphar saw that, that Joseph's God was with him, which was great. Now, what was not so great was that Potiphar's wife saw other things about Joseph. She saw things like his good looks and that he was very well built. Chapter 39, verse 6 through 7 talks about that. And when she tempted him to go to bed with her, Joseph refused. Verse 8 and 9, with me in charge, he told her, Joseph told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph is growing up, isn't he? He's no longer pampered by his father. Uh, Joseph is, is getting a taste of how tough that, that real life can be when, when someone's not always rescuing you from the bumps of life like his father always was. 
Joseph has, have, has had a lot of times to think about his life and, and, and maybe his brothers and has realized that life is not, after all, about him. This is what can happen when, when all you focus on is yourself and you fail to consider the needs of others. <clears throat> so here Joseph realizes that, that right now the needs of his master is what concerns him, not any temptation for pleasure that he might have for himself. So he tells Potiphar's wife, no, no. And soon realizes that he's going to have to say no every day because she asked him every day. One day, Potiphar's wife grabbed hold of Joseph and his cloak uh, to try to physically persuade him uh, to come to her. But Joseph overcame that by just doing what we need to do sometime with sin, by just running away, and he left his coat in her hands. And this made Potiphar's wife angry. So she decided that because he kept refusing her advances, she would get him by accusing him of attacking her, which, of course, he never did. Now, when Potiphar, her husband, hears of this accusation, of course, he had no choice but to throw Joseph in prison. It it was a false claim, uh, and, and even if Joseph had denied that it happened, that, that it was her that, that had done this, uh, it wouldn't have made any difference because, I mean, you can't take the word of a slave over your wife, can you? So Joseph is once again abandoned and thrown into not a cistern this time, but the royal prison where all the king's prisoners were held. Now, if it were me, I would have thought, and maybe Joseph thought this too, wait a minute, God, wait a minute. I, I was thinking that you were with me, and it sure looked like you were with me with all the success that I was having there in Potiphar's house. What, what's this all about? You know, have you abandoned me again? Well, it didn't take long for Joseph to realize that, well, maybe God had not abandoned him. Let's see what happens while he's in prison. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. No, no, God had not abandoned Joseph at all. Soon Joseph was in charge of all the prisoners. In fact, the warden basically stopped being concerned about the prison at all uh, and what was going on there because he trusted Joseph to take care of it. <clears throat> Have you ever thought that God, was when he was blessing you, and, and, and then all of a sudden, your world turns upside down? You, you, everything's going great, you know, you, good health, and things are going great with your family or whatever, and all of a sudden your whole world gets flipped upside down. I know that's happened to many of you. Have you ever thought, but God, I thought you were with me. What, what's going on? Uh, all of a sudden, this has happened. God, did you abandon me? It would be a natural thing to think. Now, now while God is blessing us, one thing that is true, and we can't escape, we cannot escape the fact that we live in a fallen world, you and I. You know, sin never takes a break. 
God doesn't shield us from sin around us. Evil people are still around us. Uh, The sicknesses of this fallen world don't go away once we accept Jesus as our Savior. They're still there. Now, God promises to rescue us from sin and from the consequences of sin, but he never promises to rescue us from the perils of this fallen world. At least not while we're living in it. We, one day we'll be rescued from it when we're living in the presence of God. But while we're living in it, God has never promised to take them all away. But God does promise to give us some wonderful things, some wonderful things to help us get through the perils of this world. Things like joy and peace and love and hope. That's a special, especially a good one as we live in this life. Joseph may have felt abandoned at first, but he soon found that God had not abandoned him at all. Not at all. Perhaps Joseph was starting to see an intentional plan for him being in Egypt at this time and going through what he was going through. During this time in prison, Joseph offered to interpret the dreams of two prisoners who had been sent there by Pharaoh. They had worked for Pharaoh, did something wrong, something caused them to be on the wrong side of Pharaoh, and he threw them in prison. Now, you may remember from last week that Joseph had had some experience with interpreting dreams, his own dreams. Uh, But this time, he had an opportunity to interpret somebody else's dreams. And Joseph was realizing that, hey, you know what? This ability to interpret dreams, it's not for me. This is a gift given to me from God. Joseph's dream predictions for these two prisoners were correct. He, 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 he predicted exactly what they meant. Joseph said that the dreams meant that one of the prisoners would be hanged and the other would be restored to his position with the king. And both of those predictions happened. Two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. Dreams were big back then. The dream troubled Pharaoh, and and when none of his magicians and wise men that surrounded him could could interpret the dreams that he was having, the chief cupbearer, this was the former prisoner who had been restored to his position, remembered, you know what? There was this guy in prison that interpreted my dream, Joseph, two years ago. Remember when you threw me in the prison, Pharaoh? Uh, So the king of Egypt called Joseph to come before him and to interpret his dream. Let's look at Genesis 41, 14 through 16. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. Now, right right about there, I imagine Pharaoh looked over at the cupbearer and said, All right, man, you told me this guy could, could interpret dreams. What's going on here? But then Joseph went on. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Pharaoh told Joseph his dreams. Uh, two of, there was two of them, actually. <clears throat> there were seven healthy cows, followed by seven lean, ugly cows, 
who ate the seven healthy cows. Then seven healthy, <clears throat> healthy heads of grain, full and good, followed by seven withered and thin heads of grain that ate up the full and good heads of grain. Now, I can't imagine why the king would have any trouble with these two dreams. <laughs> um, and, you know, as big as dreams were back in, back in those days, and, and, and the Egyptians uh, relied on them heavily, I, I, can, I can see how this was disturbing to the king and needed to know what they meant. So Joseph interpreted the two dreams. God gave him the ability to do that. In fact, both dreams meant the exact same thing. The healthy cows and grain was seven years of abundance in Egypt. Bumper crop years. Everything went great. Followed by seven years of severe famine throughout Egypt and the surrounding areas uh, around Egypt. <clears throat> then Joseph boldly suggested something to Pharaoh. He suggested that they appoint a wise man to devise a plan to save Egypt from this coming famine, a plan to store up uh, reserve food during the seven good years so that when the seven famine years came, there would be food for everybody to eat. The king liked this idea so much, he said, Joseph, you're the guy. You're the man. Genesis 41, 38 through 40. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? <clears throat> Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, <clears throat> and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. You know, not only did Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of the rescue plan, but he gave Joseph supreme power and prominence in all of Egypt. Joseph is promoted basically to deputy, deputy Pharaoh, like vice president of the country. This Hebrew slave plucked from the dungeon becomes second in charge of all of Egypt, second only to the king himself. Now, how could such... A thing like that be possible? Well, if God wants something to happen, it happens. Even a crazy thing like this. You know, I've heard many of you uh, relate experiences that you've had about, about how God just worked things out for you in ways that you couldn't imagine. Maybe you weren't promoted to vice president of the United States uh, but, uh, or, or something like that, but, but out of the blue, after you prayed that God would give you direction, that God would guide you, you get a phone call uh, from somebody who, who's offering you a job or offering you a promotion just when you needed it. Or, or maybe you find yourself in a difficult financial situation, and, and after praying about it and putting it in God's hands, you get a stimulus check uh, that is exactly the amount that, that you need to meet that financial need. Now, maybe the country can't afford it, uh, but it was a blessing to you. I, that certainly happened to me last year. Uh, when, when I got my stimulus check, it would have been nice to go out and buy a bunch of power tools. I would have loved to have done that. <clears throat> but I had a need. I, I had an unexpected tax bill that I needed to pay. And this check was almost exactly 
how much I needed. I had like a dollar left over. I guess I could have gone to Harbor Freight and bought a screwdriver or something, but, um, but it was exactly what I needed. What a blessing that was. You know, God is still active in making things happen when we put our hope and our trust in him. So Joseph puts his plan into action for Egypt. During the seven abundant years, they, they set aside enough food to feed the entire nation and the surrounding areas. Then the seven famine years hit. Meanwhile, back in Canaan, Jacob and his family, including all the brothers that sold Joseph into slavery, found themselves in the midst of this famine that was even touching their lives. There was no food anywhere to be found, uh, not even in Canaan where they lived. The only place that anyone could find food, Egyptian or not, was the food that Joseph had stored up there in Egypt. As we're reading the story, it's right here that, that maybe we begin to think, maybe if, we, if we've never read this story before and we don't know how it works out, Maybe it's right here where we begin to think, okay, all right, I see what's going on here. I see what's going on here. I can see now what God is doing, why Joseph is allowed to be sold uh, as a slave. Why, why was that? Why was he wrongly accused of assaulting Potiphar's wife and in prison? You know, the, the answer becomes very clear as we read through this story so that he could eventually be allowed to interpret the king's dreams and, and ultimately become the deputy Pharaoh, uh, where he would then be able to preserve enough food to save from star starvation, not just Egypt, but his own family. And not just his own family, but God's nation. You know, if Jacob and his sons die of starvation back in Canaan, you know, the nation that would bring us a savior would also die. But thanks to God's clever use of Joseph, Israel did not starve. Now, we might ask, well, why didn't God just prevent the famine in the first place <laughs> and, and just let Joseph stay back with his family? Uh, and you would ask that question, wouldn't you? <laughs> I think the answer is that, uh, that God always wants us to know that he's in control. You know, not us, not the weather, not the government. God's in control. Uh, if, if there was no famine, no hardships, no struggles, you know, we'd all be tempted to sit back and just enjoy our blessings and never give praise to the one who gives them to us. You know, we, we'd end up giving ourselves praise for all of our accomplishments. The trials of this life I think allows us to, to, to reminds us that God, that we need God in our lives. You know, we're going to be lost if we don't have God in our lives. So the trials of this life remind us that we need God and that he has the ultimate hope that all of us need. Paul wrote to the Roman, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
You know, God allows suffering because he knows what would happen if life was always perfect. If he, if he took away all the, the, the characters of this fallen world and life was perfect, we would abandon our hope uh, in him and forget how much we need him. I mean, I think that's, that's why the, the wealthy, Jesus said it's, it's easier for a, a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to the kingdom of heaven because when we have lots and lots and lots of money, we, we start thinking we don't need God anymore. It's just what happens as humans. So God allows this fallen world to continue its course. But as Joseph will point out in the end, Survival in life depends completely on God's hand, not our own. Well, Jacob gets word back in Canaan that food can be found in Egypt. Genesis 42, 1 and 2. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? I guess they were just standing there, what do we do, Dad? I don't know, what do we do? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Starvation was a real real possibility. Joseph's ten brothers did just that, not, not knowing that the man that they would have to face to get this grain was their brother that they had sold into slavery. Now, you know, I, I know vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, I know all that. But, you know, the human side of me loves it when bad guys get their just desserts from their victims. <laughs> I love seeing that. I, I love watching a villain who got su- such a kick out of making their victims suffer. I love watching that vil- villain squirm later at the hands of their victim. And, of course, this is in movies. Of course, (laughs) never seen that in real life. This story is a real life, great villain squirming story. (laughs) As the the brothers stand before Joseph, he keeps his identity secret for a long time. They have no idea who he is. Uh, He's messing with their minds during this time. He's making up accusations against them. Uh, He's calling them spies. He's accusing them of stealing things from him. Manipulating them into bringing their youngest brother and Joseph's only full brother, Benjamin, who he had never met, uh, bringing him to Egypt. He holds one one of them prisoner while they go back home to get Joseph, to Benjamin. And just at the right time, when all of the brothers think that they're just toast for sure, Joseph reveals who he really is. Genesis 45, verse 3 through 5. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I think we could understand that. <laughs> then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now they're probably thinking, okay, it's all over now. <laughs> and now do not be distressed 
and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Hmm. Wow. Talk about a turn of events. <laughs> These guys went from thinking that they were in trouble with a high Egyptian official to standing before the very one that they sold into slavery. And now this person is in total control of their lives. The dreams he had had come true, had come true. And this young man is telling them, hey guys, everything's okay. Everything's okay because God used this whole series of events, even the evil deed you did of selling me as a slave. God did that to save us all, to save you. Eventually, Jacob comes, his father comes, and, and is reunited with his lost son. That must have been what a great reunion. Uh, Benjamin comes also and meets his brother. The whole family then moves to Egypt. And at least for a few years, life is good for the nation of Israel. It's interesting, isn't it, how God can use circumstances in our lives to not only lead us, uh, uh, to, to, but to, to put hope and to put trust in him, but also to help us fulfill his purpose in our lives. Uh, even, even when we're unaware that he's doing it, he, he causes things to happen so that we can fulfill our purpose that he's given us. You know, God took the sin of Joseph's brothers, the false accusation of Potiphar's wife, the interpretation of a fellow prisoner's dream and Pharaoh's dreams to set the stage for the salvation of his nation. And God has a, you know, God has a grand plan for all of mankind to save them through Jesus. That's his big plan. Uh, that's the savior of the the. The, the nation of Israel gave us Jesus, and that's his plan to save us all. But he also gives you and me a plan in our lives that helps his grand plan work. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, sometimes we look at our circumstances of, of our life and we wonder, why, why are you leading me down this path, God? Uh, why why are, are you allowing this bad thing to happen in my life? Why didn't, why didn't I get that job? I, it was just perfect for me. I, I thought that was the job. Why didn't that relationship with that person work out? She seemed like the right one. Why did you lead me to this person to this job, to this town, God. But then often we, we can look back and we can say, you know, Lord, I see now. I see now why you did that. You led me to this town, to this job, to this church, to this ministry so that I could find you or, or so that I could find a place to serve you, my place to serve you. You allowed me to go through this sickness, this, this layoff, this divorce, so that I could then minister to others later who, who go through similar things in their lives. One of the things I admired so much about Jerry Crocker was, you know, although he struggled for many, many years with 
with addiction, uh, with God's help, he was able to overcome that. And then he, he desired with all of his heart to help others who were going through addiction as well. And he did that for many people. Many people are blessed today because of Jerry's experience and then his ministry to them. And he always saw that that's why he went through that or one way he could use that experience to minister to others. God's plan for our lives helps God's plan for mankind work. And here's another important part of our story today. Joseph could have held a grudge against his brothers and been bitter for the rest of his life against them, and we would have all understood that, right? We would have, we would have all said, I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. But understanding how the events of his life, as bad as they were, were eventually turned to a good purpose, freed him to be able to then forgive his brothers. And he did. You know, sometimes we can be hurt by people, can't we? Many of us have. Uh, and holding a grudge is so easy and so tempting uh, to do. Our flesh just wants to hold it against them for the rest of their lives. And then, of course, we're also miserable for the rest of our lives when we do that. But perhaps if we could look for the good that God can bring from that hurt, we too, like Joseph, can be set free to then forgive because that's what God wants us to do. So perhaps God led you here today on Facebook. Perhaps God led you to tune in to our service today on Facebook. Um, perhaps this time with us this morning was a part of his plan for you uh, to begin to change your heart. You know, there's, there's something that's been nagging at you for years, and, and maybe this is the time that God led you to to decide, okay, it's time to change my heart. It's time for me to serve you, God. It's time for me to serve others, uh, to begin to forgive someone in my life that I have resisted for so long. Consider the possibility today was a part of God's plan for your life because God does have a plan for all of us, a plan to be a real part of his overall plan to save mankind. You know, it's been a tough year for us, hasn't it? Uh, with, with everything that's going on in our country, especially with this pandemic. And, uh, and while we haven't been able to come together like we used to, um, you know what, I've been so encouraged that while we haven't been able to do things together like we love to do, and hopefully we will begin to do things together real soon, I have been very encouraged by how you all have still been a part of God's plan with people in your life. I think of Mike Fry over there who, who has, has taken on uh, Leon uh, Bethay as, as, a, as a, just a, a brother in Christ and someone who just struggles to help himself because of his health and has been over there, even with health issues that he's had, that Mike's had, to just, just reach out and, and help him and do shopping for him and get his meds for him. Uh, do things that he's not able to do. And I've, and I've seen you and, and, and know of you reaching out to your neighbors to help them, to members of our church, uh, to help them. Uh, and of course, we did come together on a few occasions with Operation Christmas Child and, and the family that we helped at Christmas time. Um, uh, but, but because we've been sort of limited in that, I've, you all have enacted God's plan for your life where you are 
And we need to continue doing that as we anticipate coming back together to be able to do more things together uh, as a group. So if you haven't already, ask God today to reveal to you his plan for your life. And let's work that plan as we are a part of God's big plan for all mankind. Father, I thank you so much for the chance we have to study your word and to learn and grow from it. Uh, Lord, you've, uh, you've blessed us with stories like the story of Joseph. Uh, and we marvel at how someone could, uh, could forgive uh, someone who had done such a horrible thing to him uh, and, uh, and help us to learn and see that we can do that, um, that you have forgiven us for all the, all the sin we've committed against you. Help us to be able to have the strength uh, and the courage to then forgive people who have sinned against us because that's what you want us to do. And once we relieve, release that burden on our hearts and our shoulders, life will be better. Life will be better. And Lord, help us to see that you have a plan for our life. And uh, many of us know what that plan is. Uh, and it's a plan that's continually being updated in our life. Help us to, to stay in tune with the plan you have for us. Uh, and maybe there's someone who watching today or here today who who's not real sure what your plan is for their life. Help, help, help us all to just be mindful of it and to ask for guidance towards it. Thank you, Father, for the, the, your big plan to save us through Jesus and help us to do our part to make that plan work. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.